Welcome to another edition of Eusebius on Times Live. I mean, every day in South Africa is a political day. Our lives are politically embedded. But this week in particular, from a hard news point of view, there's lots happening on the political landscape. And I'd ask two of my Arena Holdings colleagues, who are political editors, to join me and for us to shoot the breeze on a couple of the most important political issues that are on all of our diaries as political analysts, political reporters, and for them as political editors now in particular as well, Hajra Omaji, who is with Business Day, and also Fikile Ntikilela Moya, who is at the Sowetan. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people zone, their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Colleagues, thank you so much for joining me. It's really a pleasure to chat to each of you again. It's been a minute. Uh, Fikila, we haven't spoken in years, but thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure, Eusebius. It's good to be, it's good to be here. In, fa- in fact, I'm going to start with you, Hajra, if I can, and let's hope that technology holds, but we'll do the best that we can. You know, one, obviously one of the big issues for the week, and, and don't wait for me to prompt, let's just shoot the breeze and speak and and see how we get on, is the state of the nation addressed? And I... I keep thinking to myself, am I just jaded now that we are all old, Hajra? Or <laughs> am I right in thinking that ah, we've seen this movie before and I can probably script what should be published on Friday morning, which will be an exaggerated self-assessment of successes of the previous year, new promissory notes around energy security that will happen, that actually won't happen, and some other slogans around a positive vision for the country dealing with the triple scourge, which has been the triple scourge of poverty, unemployment, inequality, quite apart from low growth at less than 1%, and maybe one or two little signature announcements around an investment nyana here or there, but 12 months later, when we cover the elections for 2024, the material conditions will not have changed. And so as a pundit, as a broadcaster, I'm caught between wanting to do duty for Arena Holdings and wanting to be a cynical South African. Yeah. What comes up for you, Hajra? Well, crisis, what crisis? I think an early indicator of Bamakosa's appetite to govern and govern effectively to change the trajectory of the country, to provide it and put it on an alternative path. Um, An indicator of that would be if he had reshuffled cabinet by now. Um, We just ran this morning that he's now decided to not reshuffle the persona, 
which means he walks into Sona with a deputy president that's resigned, with ministers that have publicly uh, attacked him or defied him, the likes of Lindiwe Susulu, uh, with probably the only person he knew he wanted to fire uh, or remove from cabinet, and Gosizana Dlamini Zuma, uh, now essential because he, he may announce a state of disaster. So we are not seeing any uh, sign of decisive leadership because we seem to be an impression of crisis, what crisis. Mm. I think that's fair enough. You, would you agree with that, Tequila? Broadly, um, I, I, I would. Uh, I just wanted to go back to, to what you said about us being old. You know, and, 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 and I'm noting that uh, this would be, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, we would be celebrating that this was the week that Mandela was released from prison. You know, so it, it's a it's a measure of how how we have moved on. That um, you know, nobody even remembers that you know uh, around this time, uh, some thirty three years ago, you know, the the country was in excitement about Mandela being out, and the year in after that uh, and out. You know, would be celebrating and you know using you know what would Mandela say about us? You know, it, I think it's it's a it's a it's a measure of how how much time has moved on. You know, um, the last thirty years in, of 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 uh, the democratic South Africa. Mm. So your cynicism uh, or skepticism, whatever it is, you know, it is. It is informed by having seen, as you say, having seen this movie unfold over and over and over again, you know, um, and perhaps to add to what uh, you were saying and what Hajra is saying, and we will hear that um, every sector, you know, if you ask those involved in education, they will tell you that the president didn't say enough about education. Those who are involved in agriculture will bemoan that the president, dis, you know, does not take agriculture seriously, yeah. and you know, because <laughs> it is unfortunately how how this movie has has gone, you know. So so yes, you're correct. I I think we we can predict uh, um, the the speech and its reaction from both. Uh, those will be who are associated associated with the president will be um, exaggerating the praises, uh, how well spoken and how decisive the speech is, and from those who um, are in opposition, especially so because uh, being in election season as we are now, you know, um, the, the, the 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 opposition parties will use every opportunity to. To poke holes in the president's speech, and um, I'm sure they will not uh, struggle to find some. I want to I want to stay with you before bringing Hajra back in. You said at the beginning, and maybe I'm just nitpicking language, but I know that you're a wordsmith, so you must have meant something by it. You broadly agree with what Hajra was saying and what I had said. Are there qualifications to that? Are there important respects in which? we should anticipate and look forward to Thursday evening. Because when I look on social media, I looked at Facebook this morning in prep for our conversation, and a lot of people go a step further than the skepticism, not cynicism, that, that I was 
that I was um, expressing, uh, Fakila, and they said things like, I wish the media would not give it as much coverage. There's even a little thing on Twitter going viral saying, at the very least, if the media must give this lots of attention, please don't ask stupid questions about who designed your clothes, what are you wearing? That's not the right mood for the country, and don't let the politicians get away with feeling feeling like they are, you know, um, superstars. On and just focus, if you must at all, on 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 the speech itself. But from a statecraft point of view, in terms of what the Sona in theory is supposed to be about, is it still as important, or should we keep it real that it doesn't make a material difference? It is, a, it is important insofar as it even reflects that there are no plans. You know, it, it, gives, it gives those listening a sense, if they, if, if, they, if they listen to it and they get the sense that, okay, this guy does not know what he's talking about, at least it frees them to, to, to not have expectations. So, so, so hmm. um, even the, the, the lack of content uh, or, or quality content in the speech is not in itself useless. You know, then, for example, you 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 could make a decision to invest to invest in any in, in a um, uh, solar panel or whatever, or based on what you heard or did not hear from the what the president was saying. You know, um, the. Um, if let's say, for example, there was going to be a big announcement about the NHI, you know, you could say, well, yeah. now I'm gonna give up my medical aid because NHI will be in place by July mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So, so, so um, the the lack of content uh, of the speech has some utility there. Okay, Hashra, I want to bring you back in here. I mean, I think I agree with our colleague on that particular point that even vacuity lack of inspiration oratorily could be important points to observe, even if they are disappointments. For you and your readership in particular, you're not just going to only listen as a South African or political animal, but also in relation to the business day and the financial male readership. Those are business folks, folks who are taxpayers, middle-class South Africans, who have very particular questions in mind what are you going to be looking out for from a diary point of view in terms of what it is that you need to report back to to your readership? What the big economic plans are, the big economic vision, if there is something that hasn't been for some years now, and that is big infrastructure projects, uh, similar to that of the train, the football, football World Cup stadium, or, you know, super dams, or even a power plant, if there is a way forward around climate change and how we're going to use uh, the fundings up to be, um, those things are important to my readers. But beyond that, I think it is also important that that we take a critical look at what Ramaphosa has to say, because for a long time now, the working class in South Africa, the middle class in South Africa, the poor in South Africa, you know, have been suffocated. Um, mm. The reality is when the country had a 5% economic growth rate, things seemed a lot better. There were certainly more jobs around. Salaries seemed to be uh, a little bit higher. Transformation was being pushed at a much harder pace than it is under Ramaphosa and then, it, then Tabo Beki from my own experience in the workplace. 
So I also think mm. that in uh, in showing a reflection back to, to, to Ramaphosa of himself and the state of the nation on Friday, we've got to dissect everything and whether it actually stands up to the test of reality. Absolutely. I'm going to leave that theme, even though there's a lot in what Hashra is saying that I think I'd like to chew the fat on, and we can do so on our various publication platforms and also on this platform on Friday and next week as we then look back to what was actually said. I want to pivot now to the second out of three or four themes I wanted to explore with the two of you, and that's the impending cabinet reshuffles. And yet again, and maybe I'll start with you, Fakile, invoking us being old. Don't worry, you still look good, despite us getting older. Um, again, with cabinet reshuffles, we know what the putative justification is. Oh, from time to time, we make changes that are in the interests of the best possible administration and to get the best talent into government. But we know from a real politic point of view that cabinet changes, especially in a party political system, are occasioned by internal changes in the power dynamics of the ANC, not least the new battle lines within the NEC and the top officials that had been elected. How are you going to go about, as Sowetan, to prepare thinking and creating meaning for your readership around the impending cabinet reshuffle? Because we know what the president is going to say. He's going to pretend it's all about making government fitter for purpose. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, I agree with you. You know, um, I was saying to someone earlier that uh, even with coalition, the ANC's the ANC's experience with coalition governments starts with how the ANC itself uh, internally is like a coalition government. Yes, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know that it is always a mixture of people who have uh, very different interests, and uh, those interests always need to be managed internally. You know, so wherever you have an opportunity. Of, of 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 getting as many people who agree as close to you as possible because you know you will get them in you know so so um uh, Paul Mashatile may not be um a present Ramaphosa's best choice but he is the closest choice to his best choice perhaps you know um you know will he have to look over his shoulder i'm saying uh ramaphosa will, might have to look over his shoulder is this guy too ambitious is he going to 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 try and use the five years to state his claim on on on, on the presidency so that he is re-elected um in in mm-hmm. some five years to come you know so we'll be looking at that you know um also who is out you know so the that, that shift in the balance of, of of power you know um those who are associated with the RT faction of the ANC um you know because and we we use these labels loosely yeah. you know but I think they're helpful to you know, when you need to identify who's where, hmm. you know, we know that uh, the RT is a is a is a policy of the ANC. You know, we you know so, but there are certain individuals who associate themselves with that and um, 
diff- di- talk about something else where they talk about RT and those who talk about um renewal as a as an identifier of a of a grouping you know yeah. yet these all these concepts are ANC concepts mm-hmm. you know so I think what we will be doing is saying that um with these people um Ramaphosa now has a lot more um, um leeway to to do the things that he has always said he wants to do mm-hmm. and therefore if he cannot do the things that he is he has always said he wants to do he has no one to blame but himself Ashra, I want to bring you in here. I mean, a lovely debate we can have down the line is what kind of president has he been? In my opinion, he's been fairly ineffectual and a disappointment. Even colleagues of ours like Peter Bruce are recanting their excitement from 2017 these days. Um, But, you know, those who still cling on to hope that he may yet turn around his own presidential period biography, hope that a second term will give him the freedom Fikile is talking about to take decisions based on his executive authority and in a sense even to put it to the NEC and say okay I dare you to emasculate me Um, I'm not seeking another term as ANC president or country president so I'm going to put the country first it's probably not going to happen but investors want to know as you know and we get asked these questions all the time from banks from high net worth individuals who come to business day, who come to a political analyst like myself, what will certain changes mean for the regulatory environment, for example? Should I be biting my nails, waiting to see whether Gwede is in or out or remains? What? How should I read Pravin if he is to exit? What does that mean in terms of relative stability or not? What are the kinds of questions you're asking for yourself in relation to the impending cabinet reshuffle from that point of view? Well, you should be biting your nails if you are an investor because um, like the late, great Karima Brown loved to say, politics was the art of what is possible. Yeah. So the president has got to ask himself, probably got to argue the most pressing question for himself with this reshuffle. And that is, is he able to act against his allies? Wandi Gungubela, who ran the CR22 campaign not too well when Mantashe had to come take over at the end. Hmm. You know, do you keep him in office? Do you keep Pravin Borden, who we know is not well, hmm. uh, but the president has tasked to complete a reform agenda? Hmm. Uh, we can talk about how uh, SOEs are doing around Bodan. Just like we can talk about Gwede Mantashe and whether or not he sh- should have been made mining and energy minister, why he was made mining and energy minister, should he continue being mining and energy minister. And we're not having a conversation about the performance of Mantashe because I've heard those that say he's not the problem and others say he is the problem. Um, we're not talking about the performance of these ministers in office. We're talking about their personal relationship with the head of state. Yes. So I also think we've got to properly position the discussion on the performance of individual ministers. Um, and then Ramaphosa has got to show his colors, whether it is to his allies and his to his own interest, to his party or, or to the nation uh, when he uh, does that juggling act before uh, making a decision. Well, maybe let me, let me put you on the spot there, right? Because... We, we are now 
the Peter Bruises and the Karimas. We have that authority. You're the political editor. I'm the contributor, Fakila's editor, and has been of newspapers. So what say you, Hajra? Let's take the political personality relationships out of it and look at just job performance. I mean, if you take Gwede, for example, um, do you think he deserves continuation in that portfolio? So I think there's no one really arguing that he shouldn't be mining minister because he knows how to handle everyone from the likes of uh, NUMSA, NUM to AMKU. Um, so I haven't heard anyone argue that he should be removed from that portfolio. Mm. I have heard uh, there are three ministers that are responsible to ESCOM, Pravin Godan, Gwede Mantashe, and Akhwadangwana. The three ministers have got to work in synchronicity and work together to get things moving. Yes. The fact that the, the, the ESCOM CEO went through such security threats, even eventually was allegedly cyanide in his coffee, found cyanide in his coffee, and the president was not aware of all those finer details of this guy who was supposed to fix ESCOM security situation. Mm. It seems as though the three ministers are not working together. They are out of the loop. The president is out of the loop because I can't imagine why else we would have gotten to stage six load shedding and the president having to come home from an international trip two times yeah. if his ministers were doing their job when we got to stage two or stage four load shedding or if we're mm. taking the decision to perhaps turn off a power station for 100 days to do the proper maintenance, just put the country on stage to load jetting to prevent what we have today being done. Why couldn't we have done that? Mm. A lot of the president's energy plan last year was forwarded to uh, respective departments in all three ministries, finance, public enterprises, and energy, as mm. early as 2020, February 2020. Why was there no action? And I think if we're having that conversation, uh, then Ramaphosa has got to put the party's interest and the national interest above the interest of himself and his allies. Absolutely. Very well put. There's will a last theme. The will that open the door to Marie Paul? I don't know, but that's, <laughs> that's a very good question. Yeah, you absolutely. Could be the leader of the opposition in 2024. Yeah. If you continue like this. That leads me nicely, Hashra, and I'm gonna, this time I'm going to start with you for our final theme. We've spoken about Sona, we've spoken about Cabinet Reshuffle, and there's an excellent latest podcast edition that listeners can also go and check out, which is our Sunday Times uh, politics podcast under the Arena Holdings podcast uh, grouping, and that is hosted by Mike Saluma. And they focus in detail, which we can't get into, but there are points I want to pick up on around coalitions, which is the, the final theme for, for today. I look at what is currently happening everywhere from the tensions between the EFF and the IFP politically and existentially now um, in KZN, Hajra, to what is playing out in Johannesburg. You blink and you've got a new mayor and possible changes that might happen at Kuruleni again, and also Tswane, and of course the disaster in my home province, if you look at places like Pabecha, where water insecurity meets darkness, 
And that's quite apart from all sorts of other service delivery issues. And while we can't extrapolate from local to national, we now have far more case studies than we did 10 years ago for seeing the political maturity or lack thereof and the technical capacity of parties who did not get 50 plus one to be able to come up with functional coalitions that center the residents of cities and municipalities and districts rather than careerism for, for themselves. What is your reading, Hajra, of how these coalitions are playing out? Because they shift so quickly, you almost need one of your reporters to be permanently given the coalition beat. Yeah, we, we do have at Business Day, Leolo Mkentani is our local government reporter. Um, and I think that if you speak to the BA leaders in um, Johannesburg, Pretoria, Tuane, Ikuruleni, uh, nationally, uh, in the province of Kauteng, um, you'll find that they, they, they themselves will tell you it is an absolute mess. Somebody is being a drama queen, and I mean a real drama queen throwing a tantrum about something every single day. Um, and they mm. acknowledge it is an absolute nightmare. Lived experience as a citizen of Johannesburg is that the the service delivery has has just taken an absolute tumble um, in recent years, and that's perhaps because the ANC left the municipality broke. Well, that's perhaps because you know the an incoming administration of the DA or the DA-led alliance is entirely new. Um, but it, it, it's a shambles. And and I also don't understand why the DA would work with the Action SA because they're essentially giving Action SA relevance. Why the ANC would work with the EFF because they're essentially giving the EFF relevance. But what the way forward is and whether the we can come out of next year should the ANC according to DA and ANC polling, dropped to about 40% at the polls. Whether the ANC and DA can work together, but not technically in partnership, perhaps one can control parliament and the other the executive. I know I'll probably be shot for saying this, but like I, I think the time for political ideology is over. and We've got to be practical and do what needs to be done because we seem to be going nowhere slowly. Yeah, Fakila, there's so much complexity there. I'm not even going to frame a particular question for you. Just pick up from where Hajra's leaving off, which is an interesting, wistful and challenging note that ideology perhaps need to take a backseat. Of course, the problem is that it reveals itself in what you have to say about particular bills that have to be voted on and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, you see, this, my, my, my fear uh, is the the willingness by the ANC to entertain um, the EFF's demand to control a municipality like Ekuruleni, where uh, the EFF has not won a single ward outright. You know, so the the, the desperation to win Jobek uh, at all costs. Uh, is such that now we are likely to have a an EFF government 
um, in in Ekuruleni, where not a single ward entrusted EFF councillors with giving them a mandate. Now, for me, it is it it, it sends a it's it sends a terrible message, you know, to to smaller parties that um, you can get whatever you want. You know, so you can, I, I, I fear, I expect that the other parties will become even more emboldened. You know, they will see what's happening in Agrugulene and they're going to want it. They're going to want uh, the same trade-offs for provinces. Give us a free state and you can get housing. Give us Mpumalanga um, and you can take um, Limbobo. You know, because I think we, we, we need to get to a point where if if nothing else, the voters need to be respected to say, guys, we, we can't give you the voters in this municipality did not did not give you they we can we can be partners with you in a coalition government, but we, we you cannot be seen to be leading that government. It's not it's, it doesn't matter how we, but can I can I just disagree with you there, Fakila? Um here's the problem, right? It's and it's not deep disagreement. I think you you probably would agree with me that the genesis of the of the problem lies elsewhere. Is that it's a electoral and a governance systems design flaw? Mm. Because what you are articulating about the ANC giving the EFF, as it were, keys to one part of the province so that it can have the price of Joburg. I mean, in a in, to take a weird analogy, for me it's similar to the DA's arrogance in thinking if they are the biggest partner in a coalition relationship that they are entitled to be the governing party effectively in that municipality. But if you got 50 minus one, you're not entitled to behave as if you got 50 plus one. So isn't the posture that you wished the ANC to adopt rather disingenuous if the ANC's share of the vote is less than 50%? I accept that it's a it's a it's it's an evil that um, the, the ANC must deal with. But my, my my fear is is while I understand that the ANC must do what the ANC must do, the the cost to democracy itself. You know, if you're going to live in a municipality where uh, you are going to be told that it doesn't matter what the people in this municipality think about this party, this party can still govern if it wants. You know, the the, the threat to the democracy itself, you know, it, it's like, it doesn't matter. These guys are just, you know, it's a trade-off between themselves. You know, so whichever way I vote, doesn't really matter, you know. So why should I vote the next time? Because regardless of who I vote for, um, they can choose whoever whoever they choose to become a a, a government here, you know. So yeah, I, I'm 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 really uncomfortable with it, and it's not because I do not I do not understand the complexities and the the trade offs that are necessary to do that. Because I'm sure the ANC would have thought of. Of what I'm saying, you know, it would have um, it would have said that you know uh, how do we explain to our voters uh, that uh, even though they gave us more votes than uh, the EFF, yes, they didn't give us fifty percent plus one of the votes, but they gave us more votes. Yet we are going to have 
a minority uh, of seats in this municipality where the the biggest chunk of voters voted for us. Yeah, well, then they're going to have to do better so they have a better story to take to the electorate and hope that they get more than 50% and have an outright majority, which gives them the obvious legitimacy to form a government without a coalition partner. I'm going to give you the last word, and without being too detailed, maybe the midway point between what I'm saying and what you're saying, Fakila, is that, and we say this all the time at national level, but at local government, it surely is, it is as true I think that we need now to think with the benefit of this experience after 2019 to think through in a more granular way what rules perhaps we should design, maybe even legally enforceable for how coalitions are set up because we never anticipated this kind of skullduggery, careerism and lack of regard for the residents of cities. Of, of cities. Absolutely. I think I think we um, we have to to start planning around the worst case scenario, the, the worst um, council scenario. We have been a very optimist, uh, optimistic um, people so far, you know, um, as you said also earlier, that we, we planned a presidency uh, around a Mandela and did not envisage a, a Zuma. And, and and I think we once again that is manifesting itself in local government. You know, we we imagine uh, upright, um, yes. you know, d- d- absolute uh, believers in democratic virtues, and and it shows that that's necessarily what we will always get, and therefore mm. we have to adapt our our rules to. To, to, to think of those people who who are in it for themselves. Absolutely. More than others are in it for themselves. Akila Ntikalela Moya is political editor to Wetton, one of the country's most senior political voices, worth reading and listening to all the time. And our other colleague dropped off, but not before she had contributed fantastically to this discussion as well. Hashra Omaji, who's got enormous experience and is currently holding the title of political editor at Business Day. Thanks so much for coming on. It's lovely seeing you again. Same here, Yubi. Take care.